All right. Hey, if you guys are thankful for a new year, God's grace, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a new year. Hope you guys all had a, a good new year celebration. If you had kids, I know that you just went to bed early. And uh, my kids, they try. They try really hard, but they just, they can't, they're not cut out for it. But it's a new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. Everybody's dusting off their workout clothes, also known as your late night Walmart shopping clothes. Come on, we know what that's what you really use them for. And uh, it's going to be a good year. We're going to jump into this word. I've, I've seen a lot of New Year's, New Seasons, uh, being in church here at New Life. And uh, I'm always excited to see what God's going to do. New, new starts, new relationships. For some people, literally a new life and uh, a new beginning. And uh, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. and Behold, all things, all things have become new. And, uh, and that's a really good encouragement. There's a couple of things in there that are really important. First of all, it says, if anyone, if anyone, okay, so you may not feel like you qualify. Uh, you certainly may not feel that you're worthy. By the way, you're not. Nobody is. But it says anyone can be in Christ. Anyone can be in Christ. And it also says that all things have been become new, all things. So whatever has been in your life that has been broken, all things can be new in Jesus. Amen? God does have a plan for new relationships, new habits, new plans, new thinking, a new heart for you. And I don't believe that he wants you to have the same year again. Some of you had a horrible 2018. Some of you, it was the best year of your life, but it doesn't matter what end of the spectrum you're on. I just know God doesn't want you to have the same year again. God's always calling us deeper. God is always calling us further. God believes for us more than we could ever believe for ourselves. But he wants us to have an idea of that. He wants us to be close enough to him to hear his voice, to know that just how much he believes in us, just how much he, he wants to do in our lives, it's a beyond anything that we could ever comprehend, anything we could ever imagine. And that is what God has for us. And I want to talk about some principles that I believe that it, it can help us to achieve that. Uh, New Year's resolutions, all that, great. But the bottom line is this. If it doesn't start with the core of who you were created to be, it doesn't matter if you accomplish every goal and New Year's resolution that you have. It will not be aimed at an eternal purpose. And there is nothing that will fulfill you other than an eternal purpose. And so I'm going to look at the Old Testament character, Samson. Uh, I don't know that I've ever preached specifically on him. Maybe back, uh, for sure, when I was a children's pastor, I did. Uh, and, and there was a felt board, I'm sure, and different things like that. But, but I don't know that at, at, since I've been a senior pastor that I've ever spoken on this character. And, and this is the truth. I could have picked a lot of different people, Old Testament, New Testament, to talk about this principle because there's plenty of people throughout the Word of God that got stuck in a rut and needed something new. There's plenty of people, whether you're talking New Testament, the disciples, look, they walked around for three years with Jesus having a difficult time understanding what the new covenant was. 
And they kept reverting back to old thinking and to old patterns of acting over and over and over again. It wasn't until like the very end we're like, oh, I get it. Jesus, the new covenant, the new covenant, the Israelites, oh my goodness. They get set free from, from captivity in Egypt and they go into the wilderness. The Bible says this, the Lord set them free to be with him in the wilderness. That's a word for some of you because some of you, you're too busy looking for the promised land. God didn't set you free sometimes to bring you into a promised land. Sometimes he sets you free because you need to spend some time in intimacy with him in the wilderness. And so this is what happened though. They get into the wilderness and God's trying to speak to them, but they're not willing to listen because they're still wrapped up in old thinking. They're still wrapped up in a, in, in a mindset. Even though they had been set free physically, they were choosing not to be set free mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And so they're in this place. And because of that, they get in a major rut. It was only supposed to take a week to get from where they were to the land that God had promised for them, a week. That's what was all it was supposed to take. It took 40 years. Some of y'all been in a rut, but you probably haven't been in a rut for 40 years. They literally just walked in circles for 40 years because God loved them enough that he wasn't gonna give them the promise until they understood the promise giver, until they knew him, understood his heart for them. So all of us have probably been in this spot. I wanna take, look, it, it, could, it should have taken the Israelites just a week to reach the promised land. We got a week coming ahead of us where we get to seek the Lord. Let's find the promise and let's find the promise maker this week. Let's spend some time with him. If you really wanna get out of a rut and just set yourself up, not maybe just for another great year, but a great rest of your life. I promise you, you will never regret laying something aside so you can get more of your heavenly father. So Tuesday night, Wednesday night, I wanna reemphasize this. Pastor Larry is one of the greatest communicators around the, the subject of prayer. One of the greatest teachers of the word that I've ever heard in my life. He is an amazing teacher. And I think it would really, really benefit every single one of you. There will be childcare, by the way, at both of those campuses for those services. But some of you need to hear this word, but also some of us, we need to be reconnected to the vision that is winning the state of Arkansas. And us being able to come together for a couple of nights as we dedicate another year to the Lord, we're not just believing God to move in our city, in our community, in your neighborhood, in your business, in your school. We're believing God to move in this state. And we believe that if God can move in this state, then guess what? Somebody's gonna take notice because nobody's expecting it to happen in Arkansas. They still don't. But if he does, then God's gonna get some glory. And I believe that every single one of us can have a part to play in that, but we have to be willing to do something different to get something different. So do something different. Make an effort, if at all possible, to be at those nights. So as we're looking at Samson today, I'm, I wanna look at the middle of Samson's life, but we gotta start at the beginning of his life first. So we're gonna go to there. The angel of the Lord comes to his parents and he says, look, I want you just to hold up with what you were thinking because your son is gonna be somebody someday. 
And this only happens four times throughout the scripture. Isaac, this happened to Isaac with his parents. It happened with John the Baptist. It happened with Jesus and it happened with Samson. So that's, that, that says a lot. The Bible tells his parents, it says, there's two things that Samson can't do. Uh, the first thing Samson can't do is he can't touch any wine. Some of y'all needed to hear that before New Year's. It's okay. You're in church. God forgives. He can heal you, redeem you. I don't know if he can get rid of all the embarrassing pictures that we're taking, but, but there's, there's still hope and grace for you. And the other thing he says is don't cut his hair. Okay? Don't cut his hair. It doesn't make any sense to us, right? Like why would God be specific about those two different things? Look, when God calls you to his purpose, he's gonna ask you to do things that are peculiar. You're not gonna always look like everybody else. You won't get to act like everybody else. But what he's testing is your willingness to trust him in obedience, even when it doesn't make sense. And so these were the things that they said, look, I'm calling him to do something, but, but I, I need to see that he can trust me. And I'm gonna ask him to do a couple things that is gonna make him look different. He's gonna look peculiar. The word says that if you're a Christ follower, you're a peculiar people. If you're a Christian, you're a freak. You're a weirdo. To hark back to DC talk, Jesus freak. Come on, that was one of the best albums they ever released. But there should be some truth to it. We should be a peculiar people. And if he does this, God says that he's destined for greatness. So some facts about Samson, some great exploits that Samson did. He was going to have the strength of the Lord upon him if he would do these couple of things. He took down a lion with his bare hands. One day, just saw a lion doing lion stuff, thought, oh, I'm going to go kill it. And he did with his bare hands. He killed a thousand enemy soldiers by himself with a donkey's jawbone. Most of us would ask for the sword. Not Samson. Nope, I'm going to kill them all with a jawbone. He caught 300 foxes. Now, some of you caught some foxes in college, but that's a different sermon altogether. <laughs> he tied their tails together, tied a torch to them, and set them loose in his father-in-law's crops to get revenge over. Now, some of y'all thought you had some in-law issues, <laughs> but this is another level of in-law issues. He had some anger issues around his life. So the end of this story, we know that in Hebrews 11, Samson is mentioned in the hall of faith. And there's not a lot of people mentioned in that. And so he ended well. But I don't want to talk about the end yet. I want to jump right into the middle of the story, right into the action. How many of you guys like a good action movie? Anybody like a good action movie? There's really two types of movies, okay? There's chick flicks and there's good movies. That, there's really like, that, that, that's like... Or another way to say it is there are good movies and there's the Hallmark Channel. There's a, that... Those, those are the two categories. And I know some of y'all really love, I just, look, I try, the Hallmark movies, the actress in that movie, it's the same actress in every one of those movies. Like you can't even tell them apart. It's always some blonde chick. Like you put them all up there. You can't even tell them apart. It's the same script. You don't need to wonder what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen every time. Anyway, moving on. So let's read this together. Judges 16, starting in verse 18. A lot of scripture here. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, look, you need to have some boundaries and relationships. Too many people are establishing unhealthy codependency in relationships and not putting their dependency in Jesus. And then they try to 
lather a little bit of God on the relationship and think that it's going to work out. God has created you to be 100% solely dependent on him. And through that dependency on him, that an overflow will happen that will create a marriage and relationship that he's intended for you to have. But he didn't design it any other way. Sorry, that was a side note. That's for free. The next one's going to charge. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up, up once more, for he has told me his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for man and had him shave the seven locks on his head. That's a problem. Not supposed to touch the hair. Then she began to torment him, basically messing with him while he's sleeping to see if he was still strong and his strength had left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I'll just go out as before like the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. The Philistines took him put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and became a grinder in the prison. So now you know what's happening in the middle of his life. How could this happen to the mighty Samson? How did this happen? Because just like any other Christ follower or leader, if you are not setting up parameters, if you are not setting up plans, if you are not setting up God-given and directed, biblically-directed goals for your life, you're going to fail. And if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so in, in Samson's life, just like in any of our lives, if we don't have some sort of idea of of the plan that God wants us to walk down and we're committed to that, it doesn't matter how much gifting we have. It doesn't matter how talented we are. It doesn't matter how attractional in our relationships and leadership we may be. Eventually, we're going to fail. We've got to have a plan. Anybody ever showed up to something and you realize immediately that you were underprepared? That ever happened to anybody? It's, it's really bad, like especially at work or something like that. Like my, maybe all of us have showed up to something at one point or another and we were overdressed or underdressed, okay? And that's not good, but it's really bad when you're expected to do something and you're underprepared. Back in my early 20s, I was on a missions trip to Burma and we went to this orphanage and while we were there, towards the beginning of our time there, this delegation of eight through 11-year-olds, little boys came up to us and said, hey, we'd like to play you guys in a game of soccer at the end of this week. And we're thinking, okay, cool. That'll be fun, you know. Just kind of go out and kick a little soccer ball around, play with the little kiddos. <laughs> little leisurely soccer game. So the week went on, we weren't thinking anything of it. Like we're, the, the guys that were on this team, like we're in really good shape. We're, 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 we're just like, this, this is going to be fun. We're going to dominate these guys. This is going to be awesome. So the day that we're supposed to play soccer, we just kind of head out to the field. And we're just kind of sitting around talking. All of a sudden, we can hear this procession coming towards the field. And there's all the kids from the orphanage and like people from the local village coming out. And they're like, 
they've got like signs. And they're coming out, and, and, and as they kind of clear the way and go to where they're going to be seating, here comes the team wearing matching uniforms, walking in formation out onto the field. And they proceed to go out on the field, start running drills. They're weaving all over the place and taking shots and all this. And we're just like sitting back like, oh, no. <laughs> like we didn't stretch. <laughs> like we didn't do anything. Long story short, they beat us six to zero. Eight, nine, and 10-year-old little boys. I promise if we would have taken, they told us at the beginning of the week, hey, we're gonna play y'all. And we're like, oh, you're cute. Look at you. I promise if we would have been a little more prepared, it wouldn't have been quite as ugly. But we were not prepared. I think it's important that we're looking at this new year and we have some sort of preparation. We have some sort of idea, like the game's coming. And, uh, and the opposition, they're going to be prepared. They're going to have a plan. I think it's important for us as well. So I want you to write this down. Some things to remember going into 2019. First of all, hold True to the word. Hold true to the word. Look, it doesn't matter where you've come from today. I, I, you could have been raised in the most horrific environment imaginable. Um, you, you could have been in and out of jail or prison. or You could have a dozen broken relationships, a half dozen broken marriages, whatever it may be. I don't know what it is. But this is what I do know. God has designed you for greatness. And his word says that he is proud of you, that he declares that you are the head and not the tail, that you are above and not beneath, that he has plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. That is what he's called you, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is what the word of God says about you. The question is, do you know the word? And not just know it. Because the truth is this. When Samson was a child, his parents were told that he was going to be a mighty man. And I'm sure early on in his life, this gave him some confidence. This knowledge that God had called him. I imagine Samson being out on the playground and being like, hey, y'all, with this wind blowing through his hair. Hey, y'all, what's going on? Oh, you had to get a haircut this week, not me. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to do something someday. I'm going to be the man someday. Because when you have a knowledge that God is with you, it can help you have a certain amount of confidence. But it's clear to see that the knowledge, the head knowledge of it ultimately didn't help Samson. Because somewhere in the mix, he, for, he, didn't, he didn't get a personal revelation here about the truth about God's word. So what I mean is this. I'm glad that you're here. And I'm glad that you're hearing the word. But this can't be the end of it. Because if throughout the week you aren't getting into the word and asking the spirit of the living God to give you a personal revelation of what it means for you, 
Because you can be called to greatness, but if you don't have his word, you won't hold on to it. Because his word and the truth of his word and your revelation of it is the only thing that's going to give you the strength to hold on to it when everything else is coming against it. And at one point or another, there's going to be probably some opposition. Some of us, you had some major failures this last year, and it isn't to say that you're not going to have them again this year. But the difference can be, do you know the word of God and are you holding on to it? Because when that opposition comes again, the difference can be that instead of you just thinking and trying to reason and kick everything around in your mind about how it could work out, you could have a verse on your lips that you can declare to all of hell and to every opposition of the truth that you're going to choose to stand on. That can be the difference. Because when I was born, my parents had a prophetic word given over my life that I was going to be raised to be a mighty man of God. And that helped me for a season of my life. But I'm telling you, I got to a season where I didn't have the word of God in my heart. It wasn't something that I was declaring. It wasn't something that I was living out daily with faith. And so I struggled for a while. But if you can lay hold of the word of God, and if you can find something in there, that you know God has given this to me and I'm going to memorize it or I'm going to mark it so that every time something comes up that doesn't feel like God's truth, I'm going to go back to that verse and I'm not just going to memorize it, I'm going to speak it. And I'm not just going to speak it, but I'm going to live it. I'm going to let my actions and I'm going to let my words be aligned with God's truth. If you want a different year, you're going to have to hold on to the word of God. It's going to have to be something more than just what you're hearing at a life group or on a Sunday morning. It's going to have to be something that is in your home, that is in your car, that is on your lips, that is in your ears, and in your families too. Because one of the prayers we pray over our kids every night, we declare scripture over them. We declare scripture over them. As we pray for them, you are called and purpose for great works for his kingdom and for his glory. You're going to do this someday. That's who you are. And listen, right now, they're young, so they have to hear that. But by the grace of God, if they'll start now, they'll choose it someday too for themselves. And it won't just be something that they have an awareness up here. It'll be something that's real here. If you want a different 2019, you've got to have that. You've got to hold on to the truth of God's word. Don't be distracted by your weakness. Don't be distracted by your weakness. So right now in history, Samson's time, God is raising up these people called judges. And they're the people that are basically leading the Israelites, God's people. The reason why Samson couldn't cut his hair or drink wine is because God is asking him to be one of these people to free the Hebrews, God's people from the Philistines. Right now in this room, the God is raising up some leaders to set some free people around you too. In your place of work, in your neighborhood, in your very family. God is calling greatness out of you to lead some people that are held captive right now in their minds, in their emotions, and in all reality, they're captive to hell itself. And God is calling some leaders up to help set some of those people free. It could come at some sacrifice on your part, though. So Samson's job was to be a deliverer. Samson knows this, but he walks by a Philistine woman, takes a double take, and this is what happens. In Judges 14, verses 1 through 3. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told her, told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, go get her for me as a wife. It's pretty straightforward. Then his father and mother said, 
is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all the people? You must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. Like, in other words, like, can you find a good church girl, please? And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. So Samson is strong towards God, but he is weak towards women. And that's a problem. Look, you need to know this. Don't put yourself in a place of personal weakness and expect the presence of God to show up in that place. Don't put yourself in that position and then expect that God's presence is going to show up. You've got to know your weakness, and all of us have one. You've got to be true to yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself. Know what your weakness is. Know what your weakness is. Look, when I was growing up, one of my biggest weaknesses, especially through high school, was I needed people's approval. And I would do almost anything to get it. Almost anything to get it. I mean, I would cheat. I would steal. I would literally pay people money. I would buy things for people. I was so desperate to be accepted. And it caused some major issues. And that weakness was a major distraction for me. It caused a lot of sin and a lot of heartache. Look, the enemy wants to use your weakness against you. He wants to attack you with it. And this is what happens to Samson. So he goes and marries this girl. They have a reception, do the cha-cha slide, go on a honeymoon. The rest is history. But now Samson is married to this Philistine woman. He's literally sleeping with the enemy. He's friends with the enemy. So one day, blinded by his weakness, and in a moment of pride, he comes up with this riddle and goes to his Philistine friends and says, look, I've got this riddle. And if you can solve the riddle, then I'm going to owe you big time. But if you can't solve the riddle, then you're going to owe me big time. But then he's with his Philistine wife, and she says, but you'll tell me, right, boo? He's like, well, we on that level, girl. I'll tell you. So he tells her the answer to the riddle. Sure enough, she spins around, goes right over and tells the Philistines. And so they come back and say, we know the answer real, give them the answer. And Samson is heartbroken, devastated. How could she do this? How could she do this? By the way, one of the things that God told the Israelites not to do is not to intermarry with these other pagan people. So he's broken. Look, we, we've all been broken. We've all been heartbroken at one point or another. You've got to know what your weakness is and don't be distracted by it. Number three, don't let pain destroy your faith because once you do have heartbreak, you get to make a choice with what you do with it. How are you going to respond to it? Look, I've learned that people can keep their faith through all different kinds of trials like divorce, rejection, friends moving away, losing loved ones. But the one thing that always destroys faith is when they hold on to the pain. They can be fine. They can hold their, their faith all the way through those things and the pain of all those things. But ultimately what destroys faith is when you keep carrying the pain. When you hold on to the pain, that's what destroys the faith. So some of you, look, you, 
you've had major, real, significant hurt in your life. You've been spiritually abused, physically abused, verbally abused, even sexually abused. Don't forget Jesus was too. Jesus was too. Some of you are like, wait a minute, sexually abused? He was hung naked while people stared and laughed at him. There is no abuse that Jesus does not understand. And the reason why he went through all that he went through is so that he could take it all away. So he could take it all away. So you don't have to carry the pain. And if you don't give it to him, your pain is going to wind up blinding you and causing you to fall into the same rut over and over and over again. Because that thing that doesn't get healed in you, it can wind up killing you. But for sure, killing relationships. For sure, killing potential. In Judges 14, 19, it says that he stalked out, smoking with anger. He went home to his father's house. And Samson's bride became the wife of the best man at his wedding. What? Like, what? where is the bro code in this era? Come on now. Like, I'm just telling you, my, my best friend solved my riddle, took everything I had, and then went and married my wife. I will carve him up with a butter knife. Like, it's on like Donkey Kong. When you start doing things the enemy's way, I promise you, you are inviting drama into your life. It will infiltrate every area, and things will get crazy. So now Samson's back at his parents' basement, Netflix binging, trying to perfect his Fortnite dances all by himself. Nothing to his name, nobody around. And he's in a place of pain. I think the story of Samson, it paints a really solid picture of what our lives can look like. Because a lot of times we get comfortable with being Christians so much so that we believe that we can mess around with sin and weakness and everything's going to be okay. Uh, but if you play with matches, you have to understand that a match can also cause a wildfire. And, and a lot of times that will, that's what can happen in our lives. Samson is in his house and he's just kind of pacing back and forth like, how could she do this to me? Doesn't she know who I am? I loved her. He's hurt and he's blinded by his pain. Blinded by his pain. I heard Pastor Rick say it this way one time, that the, the hurt that you're going through or the pain of your hurt will destroy you way quicker than it'll hurt you. In other words, when you're holding onto this thing, holding onto it is what will actually destroy you, not the initial hurt. It's holding on to it. And that's what happens to Samson. And what, what you see, and you, you've probably seen this in your own life, is, and I've said this before, hurt people hurt people. And not only do hurt people hurt people, but they have a tendency to get stuck in the same pattern of getting hurt. And a lot of times, getting hurt the same way. And this is what happens to Samson, because what does he do? He goes out and finds another Philistine woman named Delilah. So he finds a rebound. And her name literally means weakness. That's what Delilah means. 
And she doesn't have a weakness for Hebrew boys with long flowing hair and big biceps. No, she has a weakness for money. And the Philistines know this. And so they go to her and say, hey, will you please find out why Samson is so strong? Because we can't overtake him. And if you'll find that out, then we'll pay you. And they came, and so she did that. She's like, fine. So she goes to Samson over and over and over and over and over again. Look, there's a really good chance the enemy's not going to just show up once a month. He's not going to show up once a week. He's going to show up every day. So you got to stand on guard. you got to be aware that he is looking around like a lion, looking for someone to devour. And that's what's happening in Samson's life. But Samson's blinded to his pain, so he doesn't realize what Delilah is trying to do. So he finally tells her, it's my hair. If, if I cut my hair, then I lose my strength. So she lulls him to a deep sleep, just like the devil does. Like he, he just kind of lulls us in a place of complacency and apathy. It's where we're completely vulnerable. And gets us unfocused. And while he's sleeping, they cut off his hair. And then she says, Samson, the enemy, they've come upon you. And what does he say? And this is so important. He says, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. Like in other words, I got this girl. I got away with this sin before. I'll get away with it again. Some of you have sinned and you've gotten away with it. And because you got away with it, you keep doing it. But that's going to destroy your new year. Don't let weakness, don't let pain get in the way of the year that God wants for you to have. The Bible says that Samson did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Now here's the deal. I don't think that God ever packs up his bag and leaves you, but you can certainly pack your bags and leave him. And, uh, and you do that by choosing to sin, by choosing to walk away from him. So the Philistines come in, and first they bind him, and then they blind him. And just like in our lives, look, the enemy knows if he can get you bound to something, then he can blind you to anything. If he can bind you to something that God never designed for you to be bound to, then he knows that you'll be blind to everything else, and he'll have you. So Samson is shamed. Number four, don't turn to regret. Don't turn to regret. Ever done anything that you regretted before? Anybody? Like, man, why did I have to eat eight tacos from Taco Bell? <laughs> I don't know about you, but like I have, there's just those times you're driving around like, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? And for some reason, it's, well, it's the drugs that they put in Taco Bell. <laughs> you're like, that just sounds weirdly good to me right now. And so you go and you order a party box in your car. And you know, like, if I wait till I get home, the taco's going to be a little soft on the bottom. So I don't need to wait. I need to start eating right now. And so you do that and you finish off the party box. 
and then something happens to you <laughs> that you regret severely. Like, you're like, I, I want to get my stomach pumped right now. I will go under to get a procedure to take care of this. It is miserable. All of us have done something that we regret. Anybody ever get a tattoo? They regret. Don't raise your hand. But I found some examples. Here's the first one I found. No regrets. I just want to encourage you guys. Go into 2019 and live your life with no regrets. No one of them regrets. This one's hilarious. I promise you at one point or another, they're going to regret that tattoo. <laughs> Daddy's little angle. <laughs> that, that one's just funny. I, <laughs> that's so nasty. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> so, I'll assume. Uh, all right, I guess that's it. We could go all day, though. All of us have had some things that we regret. And Samson, he's regretting this. He's in a jail cell by himself. The Philistines are mean, though. Every once in a while, they bring him out bound and blinded and mock him and say things like, you know, remember, this is the man who was supposed to deliver the Hebrews and this mighty man. Look at him now. The enemy likes to do that. The enemy loves to, to mock your weakness, loves to, to drag your sin out as much as you, he possibly can, expose it, expose you. But the Bible says that while he's in prison, while he's in this low place, in the toughest season, Samson's hair begins to grow again. And he realizes to himself that while he still has air in his lungs, that he can still do something for God. He still has a shot with God. And he realizes that he doesn't just serve a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances, but he serves a God of infinite chances if he can make the decision to be obedient again. Number five, remember redemption. Please remember redemption. I love the shift in the story because I believe a lot of us here today, we've been in the same place, in the same rut, blinded by pain because we've given in and been distracted by our weakness, falling into some pattern and dealing with the regret of it. And I believe there's a lot of you that really want to change that, but you have to understand this. We can't just stumble upon redemption. We have to choose redemption. You have to choose it. You can't have a good 2019 if you don't let him redeem 2018. It's got to start there. You have to give him the weaknesses, the pain, and the regret. How do you do that? Confess it to him. Find somebody that you love and trust and you can be honest and vulnerable with and confess it to them too. Out loud. 
Declare to your own ears and declare to the enemy that you're not going to let anything from the past, including 2018, hinder you from living out a year of redemption, from being completely healed and restored. And I think it's really important that you understand that he takes you as you are. Jesus chooses you. The word says that before, that while you were yet a sinner, while you were still messed up, he chose you. He chose you. A huge mistake, like the worst mistake that you can make is thinking this way. Well, I messed up in 2018, so I better get it together for 2019 so that maybe I could have a, a good year in 2020 because that's going to a mindset of believing that somehow it's your ability to do good that'll give you a good year. And that isn't it. It's not it. Choose to be redeemed. Choose to humble yourself. Something that I've learned, my story helps me pastor way better. I have a testimony. There is a difference between a story and a testimony. I've talked about this before. I find often that people have amazing stories, but they're still bound to their stories. They haven't handed their story over to God's redemption yet. When you hand your story to God's redemption, that's when it becomes a testimony. A story means you're walking around with open wounds which means anytime something or someone bumps into that wound, you react and you stay in that place. God's redemption turns it into a scar. So you can say, look what God did. You wanna know the story of that scar? Let me tell you about it. All this stuff, eh? But God, but God, God wants to redeem it. Look, some of you, God does want to redeem your family. He wants to redeem your kids. He wants to redeem your marriage. But the most important thing in 2019 is that you have a relationship with your heavenly father. Make that your focus first. Make, make your first focus. Look, I'm just going to be the son or the daughter that God has called me to be. And if you will start there, then you can trust him to redeem everything else. Let's start there. Trust him. Let's close your eyes, bow our heads. As a pastor, nothing shocks me anymore when people blow it at the level to which they can blow it. But you know what else doesn't shock me? is God's ability to redeem anything and anyone, no matter what it is. And if you're here today and you just know you're away from God and you need to be redeemed, you need some redemption. It may not have just been 2018, man. It might have been the last 20 years. I don't know what it is. But I I'm telling you this right now. The Father heart of God is that you don't have to keep living in the same place, in the same pattern. Let him redeem you. Be willing to confess. Ask for his forgiveness. He, he wants to redeem you. If you're here this morning and you just know, like, you, you need some redemption from the Lord. You need to be redeemed and have relationship with him, to be close to him. Maybe for the very first time, or maybe just the first time in a really long time, if that's you, 
let's start this year with, with you just confessing, you just admitting, that's just me. And I'm not going to embarrass you right now. That's not what this is about. But, but if you're willing to accept that redemption, you're, you're willing to say, that's me and I need this. Nobody looking around, that's you. Put your hand up right now. As soon as I can see you, put your hand down. Anybody around this room, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yes, keep your hands up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Just say me. That's me. I need to be redeemed in some areas of my life. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. Got it, guys. Okay, you can put a lot of hands. You can put your hands down. Father God, every person that just raised their hand, you're meeting with them right now. Thank you, God, you're not constrained by time and space. God, you're bigger than any weakness. So right now, God, I pray that we would just sincerely invite you into the mix. We need you, God. If you just raise your hand, I want you just to talk to God and say, God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my time. I surrender my past. I I surrender the hurt. I surrender the pain. I surrender my mistakes. I surrender it all to you. Jesus, you paid the price on the cross for all of it, for all of it. And you said that it's finished, which means it's finished. There's nothing that has been undone that you didn't do through your sacrifice on the cross. And so I believe that you paid that price. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And God, I ask that you redeem me. God, I want to surrender to you. I know that you don't want to just save me, but Lord, you want to have control of my life so that you can give me the life that you created me to have. And so I surrender to that right now. I surrender to your Lordship. And I ask you, God, that you would use my life the way that you want to use it. Thank you, God, for giving me a new start, a new chance, redemption in you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for that. Father God, we thank you for new beginnings, new starts. We thank you that you gave us a time. You gave us a calendar that can help us remember that we can have new beginnings. We can have new starts. God, we wanna stay in a place where we're doing everything that you've called us to be. Lord, if we mess up, God, help us just to repent quickly and get back in to the fight. Get back into the game. Get back into what you've called us to do and be. God, we know that you've designed us to depend on relationships with other people so that we can have that. So God, I pray that any person that is disconnected, Lord, that you would help them to repent of being independent and help them to get connected to you first and foremost and to the body of Christ so they can have the year that you've designed for them to have. We thank you, God, for your presence, for moving in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a hand this morning. He's good.